Coming at you from beautiful upstate Saskatchewan, it's the Johnny Pinball Show. With your host, JP Johnny Pinball. Hey everyone out there in pinball land, how's it going? This is episode 8 and we're going to be talking about the 2022 Twippies and the MGC debut of all the new games. We're going to go over who won and who didn't win. If you're ready for it, let's get right to it. Alright, let's start with best theme. So you can see this year, James Bond won by Stern. Now that's a surprise to me. I thought Weird Al would be a better theme than James Bond. But I guess if you just remove how poorly that game launched, if you had told me two years ago, I probably would have voted James Bond too. But just kind of in hindsight, it's hard to pick James Bond now. Now last year, uh, it was Godzilla by 36 to 24%. And this year, it's a little closer with James Bond only getting 26%. So the results are a little tighter this year, a little bit more competitive. If you look here, Rush got third with almost 20% of the vote. And then Toy Story, right behind it, 18.48% of the vote. Then after that, you know, these games didn't have a chance. All right, let's look at the best mods of 2022. The Neon Tokyo sign for Godzilla won this year. I think you might remember when that pin side thread blew up when that was first shown. Had quite a bit of stir. I have a Godzilla, and I don't have that mod because it was very expensive. But I think, I think that's what people like. And last year, it looks like the winner was... The Mandalorian animated Grogu. That's right. People said, where? Why doesn't Grogu move? He's just a static figure on there. Moving on to best sound. Looks like they renamed this category this year. Now, no surprise that Rush won this. Anytime there's a music pin, it's almost guaranteed to win. But it was up against another music pin, you say. Weird Al's Museum of Natural Hilarity. Kind of surprised that drops off from 48% to 18%. Because I thought the pinball community can be a little nerdy at times. And Weird Al's more of a nerdier you know, music style, but I guess the demographics say otherwise. Rush won handedly this year. And if we look last year, it was Godzilla versus Led Zeppelin, and the upset went to Godzilla. Nothing could beat that game last year. Beat the rock pin with 37% of the vote. Cool beans. Now we're on to favorite pinball convention. It seems to always go to Texas pinball festivals, but they didn't have one last year. So if you look at last year, Chicago Pinball Expo won it. If you look at this year, Texas Pinball Festival won it. About the same percentage, 27 for Texas versus 29 last year with Chicago Pinball Expo. And then this year, Chicago Pinball Expo ended up in second place with 24%. We also see Midwest Gaming Classic is gaining in popularity, bumped up a notch. Looks like it won third place because of its second and third choice votes. If you look there, it only has 8% versus Cincinnati's 9%. But if you throw in those other votes, bumped it up a spot. Favorite homebrew machine. Ah, the American Pinball American Dream. David Fix presents to you. Well, he didn't design this one, but Elf by Bob Nyes. With 26.39% of the vote. 701 first choice votes. Last year went to Ferris Bueller. Hmm. I think Elf is probably a better theme in my mind. I don't know what you guys think. If they were head-to-head, -head, which one would you pick? And that Dukes of Hazard, that was a re-theme game of a Paragon. So that kind of is the gray line. Some people think, well, is that really a homebrew? But still a ton of work. Get new art, get new rules, put in the LCD. And again, congratulations, Elf. Now we move on to the Lyman Sheets Memorial Best Rules Award. This year, it went to Rush and then Toy Story. Rush with 48.39% of the first choice votes. Compared to last year's, well, nothing could beat Mega Monster Godzilla with his 65% of the votes. 
I am surprised that Toy Story 4 managed to beat out Weird Al. I don't know if you read Pinside this year, but when that game came out, everyone said it was too easy. Where are the rules? Because the rules were, oh, you beat it once, now you've got to beat it again to truly beat the game. Kind of like doing Super Mario all over. And poor James Bond. Well, it did release at the end of the year, almost getting beaten out by Funhouse 2.0 kit. Ooh, yikes. Favorite pinball website. Pinside, of course it's Pinside, it's always Pinside. Did Johnny Pinball vote for Pinside? No. He likes the pinball map, because you want to look where that godfather is. Is it out on location yet? Can I go play it? Ah, not my city. Congratulations, Pinside. I mean, that is where people buy, sell, talk pinball, so it makes sense. And last year it was Pinside. It did slip a smidge, lost about 7% of the votes this year. Nap Arcade creeping up. Beating out Twip, which is no surprise. Twip's kind of been fallen by the wayside. I know the uh, person who was running it kind of retired from that, and now a different person is running the website. Plus, Nap Arcade gets you the news like, like that. If it's a sniff, if he sniffs it out, he posts it up. Best toys and gimmicks, or is it best toys and mechs? You decide. And you guys thought the James Bond rocket was the best toy of 2022. I am torn on this one, right? Because Toy Story had the tablet, but it had the cool jump ramp. Rush? I'm surprised that didn't win. I mean, it has that time machine. That magnet is pretty cool. Weird Al, right? It's got a hamster wheel, so hard to say. And I don't know anything about Superhook. Sorry, Petronic. But if we kind of look at this, Weird Al did beat Rush with the first place votes and almost beat Toy Story. And, well, if we keep looking at this, Weird Al actually beat James Bond. Whoa, mind is blown. Jerry, are you looking at this? You got robbed. I don't know. I think we should protest this. Weird Al should have won this. And last year, no surprise, it was Godzilla by Stern Pinball. Moving on to the favorite YouTube channel. I know, hold your horses. (laughs) Johnny Pinball didn't have a channel last year that he uploaded on. So that's why I'm not on the list. 2023, watch out. I hope to be in the top 10. But TNT gets it again, back-to-back years. Not even close, 850 to 547. Congratulations, Todd. You've become a star. And if we look at last year's results, very similar order here. We got TNT straight down the middle, Carrie Hardy in the top three both years. Moving on to the best artwork. Can you draw me up something real quick? Oh, you did already? It's my logo? Awesome. Looks like this year went to Toy Story 4. That's John Yossi, I believe. Uh, Congratulations. It's one of those, like, a lot of it is just the poses, but I'm sure he had to redraw the poses. So it doesn't look bad, that game. Rush by Stern. I think it would have won. The backlash is definitely better, but it has those faces on the playfield, and no one really liked the faces on the playfield. And I think that hurt Rush. Weird Al? I mean, theoretically, that is a lot of artwork because they have the scenes that keep animating that goes on the playfield. So that that could have won, but it didn't. James Bond, that shouldn't even be on the list. There was no artwork in that game. That was all done by Photoshop. And last year, Godzilla killed it by Zombie Yeti. Halloween was very good last year, too. And The Mandalorian by Randy Martinez's ex. And Ultraman, very tough crowd last year. Um, this year, I think it was a little easier to decide. Well, maybe not. I don't know, actually. All right, moving on to the streamers. Not those party favors. No people who stream live pinball or pinball content. Deadflip wins. Kind of no surprise. But if you look at his percentage, he dropped quite a bit from last year. Down to 22% from 37. Ooh, the mighty have fallen. Speaking of the mighty have fallen, Kaneda drops a spot. Ooh, but he only drops a spot because of the second and third choice votes. The controversy between him and Zach Mini continues. Flipping out, taking second place. Flipping Out is a pretty fun Monday morning 
Monday morning. I don't know, maybe Monday morning in Australia, but Monday evening stream here. So I can see why that one. Fourth place, IE Pinball, same both years. Anything new? Fox City's Pinball looks like drops a couple in the rank. Playing a little tango with Buffalo Pinball. So either way, this this field, I think, next year is wide open. No one really ran away with it. Will it be Canada next year for a Saturday morning spectaculars? Will flipping out finally get a twippy? Will dead flip kind of just die off now that Jack's doing a full-time gig designing games? I don't know. Best animations and display. We got Toy Story for the win. And no, it's supposed to be Cactus Canyon. The XL dots. Come on, people. You don't look at that giant LCD screen. Ah, uh, people in your blinking RGB lights, I tell ya. Uh, yeah, so Cactus got second. Uh, that's cool. Rush gets third. No surprise there. Weird Al gets fourth, which actually beat Rush in the first place choices. So, sorry, Jerry. You're getting screwed again. Last year, it was Godzilla. Let's take a look at the numbers. Oh, overwhelmingly Godzilla. So this year, not quite as uh, certain that it was Toy Story. But the people have spoken, and I'm just a talking head. Favorite pinball podcast. That's what we all tune in for. Will Canada go six for six? The answer is... Survey says... Yes, he went six for six. You'll notice, though, he's a drop in a little bit. 28% versus 30%. This year, he was behind the $5 paywall on Patreon. If you look at the numbers, 664 votes. I believe that's about how many people pay to watch his show. So you could almost say one-to-one -one there. The Pinball Show, 17.39, dropped a few from last year's, 18.15. Super Awesome, I think, got a pretty big boost this year, 12.49% versus... Don't even see him on the... Oh, 10% in 2021. Um, Let's see. Any newcomers on this list? We got Slam Tilt Podcast, Triple Drain. Triple Drain is new on this list, so who left? Looks like we lost the Backbox Podcast this year. Otherwise, it's the same 10 people on the list. I'm surprised Pinball Profile is more popular than Final Round. I find Final Round much more entertaining. Favorite Pinball Topper. I vote none of them. They do nothing to the game. But if you have money and you need to part with it, looks like we thought the Mandalorian $2,000 topper. I can't believe that won. Well, it did. It won by nine votes over the Cactus Canyon pew pew topper. And Weird Elf, his poor accordion, you know, he's going to just be playing on Hulu with his movies. Last year we had the protest vote, right? We had the free Halloween topper. So no spooky game this year, so I guess uh, that's why they didn't win. We shall see if the Scooby-Doo topper wins for 2023. Best playfield layout. This is no surprise. And what should have won one, Rush by Stern. It's a pretty good layout. Although, James Bond does have that flow. I gotta say, I've been playing some more recently, and it does just glide across that playfield. If you forget about that scuba dive section, which is like, what? What's this all about? But not as decisive as 2021, where Godzilla took it with 71%. This year's Rush only got 39% of the vote. Oh, the humanity. Moving on to the favorite pinball location of 2022. I guess it's not your house? That's where I prefer to play pinball. But if you had to go somewhere, I guess it's Next Level Pinball in Hillsborough, Oregon. This year, it expanded its lead up to 32% of the vote, followed by the Pinball Palace and then Old School Pinball Experience in Brazil. Yeah, our Canada voters down there. I'm a little partial to District 82, that's where I play, but it slipped this year, going down from 10 to 7. Ooh, I wonder why. Maybe it's because the lights are on now. Anyway, what's your favorite location? Comment down below, you know the drill. Thumbs up if you like it. Oh wait, we're not over, the video's still going. All right, moving on. Granddaddy of them all, game of the year. No surprise, it was Rush Pinball by Stern capturing 40% of the vote. 
And then Jersey Jack's Toy Story 4, Pat Lawler's swan song. Goodbye, Pat Lawler. Capturing 20% of the vote. We don't have percentages for last year, but let's just assume Godzilla got 90%. James Bond here coming in pretty close to Toy Story 4 with almost 18% here in third. Weird Al at 19. What? Again, Jerry! How do you let them do this to you? Talk to Jeff at this week at Pinball. Tell him Johnny sent you and say it's not fair and you deserve a Twippy in one of these categories. Not these runner-up Twippies, the real deal. All right, so we're done with the Twippies. Let's move on to the present day, which is now the past because time keeps marching on. The 2023 Midwest Gaming Classic in beautiful Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I had a chance to check out their Friday preview night and I came up with some first impressions. Well, let's talk about the games we got to play. I got to play Galactic Tank Force. I got to play Pulp Fiction. I got to play Bond 60th. And I got to play Godfather. Let's start with Galactic Tank Force. I got to play on all four of the games they had set up and they all played a little bit differently. So going into this, I think the big takeaway online was, oh, it's the tank, it's got a lot of air balls when you hit it. And I would say one of the four games that was true, how it was set up, you would hit the tank and boom, right back at you, air ball. Hopped over the flippers, hopped over the plastics type of thing. The other three games that did not happen. Now, is that the flipper strength? Is it just how that one was built? I, you know, couldn't say. I will say on that version of the game that had the air balls, the center pop-up never popped up. So that was always down. And that, you know, example had the shortest ball times of all three. Now, my best game was on one of the other machines, and I scored about 600 million on that one, got two multi-balls, and I had a blast playing that game. The left orbit shot reminds me a lot of Space Station, because most of the times the lab is lit, and the lab has a magnet which drops it into the up kicker, just similar to Space Station and puts it on the upper playfield. Because the game does not have a full left orbit, this is not really a flow monster game. It's kind of a stop and go game, but it's not boring either. I chose to avoid going for the tank unless I was in a multi-ball. I wasn't really sure when you were supposed to attack the tank or like what the reason was. Since it's the most dangerous shot in the game, I just kind of avoided it, always going left orbit, left ramp, or right orbit, or the cow target. I think the right Vuck shot could have been a 360 degree ramp. The game feels like it is missing a ramp. It only has the one ramp, and you kind of notice it, because you're used to modern games always having at least two shots for a ramp. In that respect, this layout is very System 11-ish. Now, the tank toy, right? We've heard from some online personalities that the 3D printing doesn't look good. Same with the little shuttle pod things. Uh, the tank looked better in person than what my expectations from listening to that. It's actually bigger in person. I thought the red tank looked fine. I don't have any problems with it, and the little Nordman robot pops out of it is pretty cool. Now, the shuttle pod things, those could be a little bit better, but honestly, you're not really looking at that when you're playing the game, right? You're looking at the ball path. So if those were just plastics on, like, the soon-to-be-announced Classic Edition. I don't think anyone will care. The novelty of the pop bumpers having stand-up targets that you need to hit next to them was pretty cool. I did enjoy that. I also enjoyed the... This is a rare thing. I also... I also enjoyed the RGB lights on the pop bumpers, how they kind of spun around and changed colors. I did appreciate that. As someone, as you know, who doesn't like the RGB lights. And speaking of the RGB lights, the hot rails... I don't know what they're called on AP Games. We'll call them the elevated hot rails. Yeah, they're just a bit much. I don't need them in the game. In fact, um, again, just plain old white would have been sufficient. But because they were on the game, there wasn't really any dark spots on the play field. So that was nice. Didn't have to worry about not seeing the ball. It's just when they're changing colors, it washes out Franchi's beautiful artwork. 
which is stellar on this game. Some would say it's out of this world. Also out of this world was the music. As some people know, it's kind of a dubstep theme that Dennis Nordman insisted on. And then it's combined with some classical movie, like theatrical music that we saw in the trailers when you're in modes or the multi-ball. I think the dubstep doesn't really do it for me. I preferred the theatrical style music. So maybe that's something they could work on, whether they decide to make that switchable by the user, kind of how Godzilla added about a year later, you can switch the multiball song. The music as is, I would rate just okay, not that cohesive of a package. Speaking of cohesion, the video assets, I don't, I don't know. I mean, you've got the live action, which is fine. It actually looks really clear on the screen. That really impressed me at the show. I was looking at American Pinball screen. It's so much clearer, or at least it appeared clearer than like a stern screen. I don't know what they do differently if it's like uh, just a different angle or if they use like a glossy LCD. But I did appreciate how clear everything looked on the game. Now you get to these animations that are done in 3D. They remind me of like PlayStation 2 graphics and seem out of place. The acting of our actors. I don't think I'm going to blame the actors for it seeming like corny in a lame way it's i think the dialogue that was written for them to say just just kind of falls flat it's not funny like attack from mars medieval madness it's just like when you finish your ball one of the quotes was the best fudge comes from uranus uh, ha, 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 ha. uranus uranus i think is how we, <laughs> uh, oh, we pronounce no, it no uranus is the thing in the middle i'm sorry about that Two different areas, totally. Uranus is up there, Uranus is, right? No one's seen that. You can say yeah. Uranus until you're like eight. It's middle school humor at best. So just be warned, that's what you're gonna expect with this game. Now, what kept me coming back to the game was the multi-balls. I know a lot of times we hear like Guns N' Roses, oh, or JJP games maybe, there's, a, there's just too many multi-balls. But I didn't feel that way on Galactic Tank Force. I felt like I had to earn it. And once I earned it, the rewards were substantial. That's where a lot of the points were. And the jackpots made sense. You got like a 17 million jackpot. You know, the points seemed in line with what you expect. Just playing a game where the jackpot's only 500,000, it just, you know, doesn't get you going like 17 million jackpot or double jackpot. Whatever they did, maybe this is Steve Bowden, they did a great job with the multi-ball point structure. The swinging cow target, that's interesting. I did find myself going for it every now and then, especially when it was in the rightmost position. Not very dangerous of a shot. It's, it's think of it like a hurry up. I believe like you have a set number of seconds to hit it when there's the saucers like abducting the cow. Uh, that makes me think of like Viking or those early Bally games where they had the saucer sound and you had to hit the target in a certain amount of time to collect the little bonus. There are a few skill shots. I, you know, can't say I know them all. Uh, how does that go, Steve? I wouldn't be foolish enough to put a percentage on that. Yeah, it seemed like there were a lot of skill shots to go for. Few magnets hidden in this game. Uh, some expected, some unexpected. There's like one by the saucer. There's one from the tank. Uh, seemed to enhance the gameplay. No cheap straight down the middle drains from those magnets. Yeah, let's finish up this first take on the game with the new cabinet design. I did really like that in person. I'm not even talking about the tank design. I'm talking about the redesigned head for this game. It has this really cool recessed spot for the LCD, right? And they have that fully uh, drawn back panel display, just like Williams used to do. And then they have the lights above it, pretty ingenious. Now audio, like I said before, is kind of a mixed bag, but I do want to give notes to American Pinball. When at the show, do not have the volumes turned up to 100%. They had to have had this maxed out. 
basically everyone's ears were bleeding as these games competed with each other for who was going to be the loudest. All I could hear was clipping speakers and booming bass. Not really the best experience. Overall, I'd rate this game a solid B. It's not a game I'd want to take home, but it is a game I think I would like to get to know more at a location near me. Let's move on to Godfather Pinball, a game I had probably the least expectations for going into the show. Upon walking up to the game, I couldn't help notice that the color palette of the art reminded me of Guns N' Roses, which was also designed by Eric Minier, but completely different artists. So just a coincidence, but it's kind of where my thought process was. I'm like, oh, GNR, but oh wait, it's Godfather 50th. Let's start with what I like about this game. Uh, flippers were very snappy, so I feel like JJP has gone over the hump with this flipper feel problem. I did enjoy that ramp return that has the Black Rose style shot. It, you know, you never quite got the same return out of it because it hits that stand-up target. Comes down at you and then hits the stand-up target on the right. So it kind of keeps you on your toes. I did find the multi-balls easier to get in this than Galactic Tank Force, like before you knew it. I was starting turf war multi-ball, and then I got another multi-ball, compound multi-ball, I believe. It all seemed to happen so quickly. It was still fun to play, just, you know, kind of the JJP way of doing multi-balls. The machine gun guy was pretty sweet, although, you know, a little comic looking. I did appreciate the light on the tip of the gun, like we were seeing in the promo videos. The layout of this game is the star, though. It is just a flow monster. This would probably play well as a GNR game. I would compare it to, I just, I don't know why, but I would just compare it to Shadow. I think the diverters make me think that way, and Shadow has a lot of flow as well. Now, the one issue I had with the game is the left flipper to the center shot there. Now, sometimes when you're aiming for the center, your left upper flipper will get in the way and block the shot. So you almost have to hit that center from the right flipper. I'm going to have to agree with Carry Hardy on the upper flipper. It's easy to forget it's there behind the wire form. I just found myself not using it until it was too late. And then it would just end up blocking another shot I was going for. I still have an issue with remembering to use the upper flipper as well. I, I don't know what's wrong with me. I just can't seem to remember. I can't think of any other games where that's an issue, making this unique to just Godfather 50th. Overall, Godfather shoots better than Galactic Tank Force, but something just wasn't there to draw me in. It's the music, it's the callouts, they're just not the best. So of all the games I played at Midwest Gaming Classic, I'm still going to put Galactic Tank Force ahead of Godfather for what I found the most enjoyable overall. If you order this game, I don't think you'll be disappointed. It does shoot really well. Pulp Fiction, this game I was most excited for going into Midwest Gaming Classic. It's the first game I hopped on when I got in the doors. So I walked up to the game, pushed the start button, and as I was about to plunge the ball, I was just overlooking the playfield and thought, it looks pretty wide open. There's nothing too far forward for to be a dangerous shot for the flippers. Went ahead, plunged the ball. Don't think I got the saucer skill shot on my first plunge. And then started playing the game. First ball went, you know, moderately quick. I only scored about 200,000 points. I collected maybe one character. And I was like, okay, ball two, let's make it better. Moving on to ball two, that's when I started getting my rhythm, started figuring out the shots. I started locking my balls in ball two and eventually led to me getting briefcase boogie. Now that multi-ball is probably the best one in the game. That briefcase mech looks really cool how it spins around and it has the gold light shining on it. Uh, it's a really pleasant visual that's not on a screen. It's in your, you know, it's in real life. I was also able to start the pawn shop panic multi-ball. I was able to start the pawn shop multi-ball a couple times during the game, 
it's the same mechanism as the Indiana Jones multi-ball lock, just in reverse. So I did find that a little hard to adjust to right away, but eventually it started to make sense on how to find that on your flipper. Uh, by ball three, I was able to start Clock Chaos. That was when you collect all the characters. And by this point, the points were starting to add up in the game. And I was starting to feel guilty about playing so long. I was at least 10 minutes into the game thinking, was my game ever going to end? So the shot that did me in was that stupid magnet in the right side of the playfield. Well, it's not stupid. It's still fun. When you hit that shot, it holds it, and then it fires it randomly, kind of like Sparky would in Metallica. So in my case, it shot it straight down the middle. It hit the metal, then rolled up the outlane, and then rolled back down to the trough. Well, in that time, the ball save that you get with that turned off, and I lost my ball, just like you would see on a Data East game. And I was like, ah, I didn't want to end it that way, but I had been playing for so long, it was kind of a relief. So I ended up scoring just south of 2 million points. And when I looked up, it turns out I was playing the LE version of the game. I didn't know. The play field's the same. And I'm not looking at the screen or the scores. Well, there is no screen to look at. And then I noticed it had the topper on top. So that's how much the topper really matters when you play the game. For all you who missed out on the topper, it's no big deal. You don't even look at it. So without any visuals to talk about, let's talk about the audio package. It does have the five licensed songs, and I kind of wish they did a rendition in like a MIDI or like the Yamaha chip that used to be on like the System 11 games. It just felt out of place having crystal clear CD quality music on this game. Now the callouts, I do appreciate that they're not muffled and they sound like actual movie callouts. So I do appreciate the modern update on that. Just the audio, I'd like to have the option to play it in a, I guess, downgraded form. Spinner sound was period correct. All the kind of tar every all the other sound effects felt very period appropriate. So I don't have any problems with that. They did dabble a little bit too much into the RGB lighting. Modern people just can't resist. So when you lock a ball for the pawn shop, the whole playfield goes green, like conditioned green in Space Station. But this isn't Space Station. This is Pulp Fiction. I don't think the playfield needs to go green when you lock a ball. That's just me. Just some old timer here who likes the color white for GI. So where would Johnny Pinball put this in the rankings so far? I would put it below Galactic Tank Force and above Godfather Pinball. So sitting in at number two is Pulp Fiction. Now I'm most excited to talk about the next game here. Bond 60th. Now this game surprised me. I was not expecting much from it because, I mean, it's a $20,000 cash grab from Stern. I can't possibly like that based on principles. But then I walked up to the game, pressed start, scanned my phone for Insider Connect, and, you know, I just did a quick overview of the play field thinking, you know what, the art by Photoshop, it's not that bad in person. Then I looked up where the LCB should be, where I had previously said, ah, they're being cheap for just throwing it there. It actually looks fine. Um, the effect is well done in person. Would be nice to have four score reels so you know what your opponents have, but that's not the case here. I only got to play one round on this game because there was, of course, a long line for this, and it is butter smooth. This game is what Pulp Fiction should have been. It says Pulp Fiction's kind of a longer player. Uh, this one played fast and furious. I did, I really loved shooting those drop targets, and that, that little orbit on the left is so fun with the spinner and everything. Mm, couldn't get enough of this game. And then the center odd job hat, I mean, Slash's hat, that was fun to hit too. Nothing about this game was offensive. It was all just pure pinball fun, and I don't understand why Stern only did this for the 60th. Maybe it's in their contract. I really hope, though, that they can release this as something else at, like, a normal, we'll say, Beatles pricing. 
Not that Beatles was a pro pricing, but you know, the premium pricing, this would sell like hotcakes. This would blow by the TNA sales, and this might even sell more than the Beatles did. It's that fun to shoot. Oh, and for the record, I chose the 80s sound effects because I think that fits this the best. So I did enjoy the 80s sound effects on the game. The callout guy, I mean, he's okay. He's just generic callout guy, so nothing to write home about. Would be cool if they actually got like Daniel Craig or like one of the living Bond actors to do callouts. I would have just put the, you know, chef's kiss on this game, the mwah. I don't have too much else to say about this game, except it was really enjoyable to play. And I hope that everyone out there gets a chance to play it. And maybe at a show, maybe large arcades will get it as a showpiece to draw customers in. If you see it, it's definitely worth a dollar a play. And it is a little difficult. So you will be spending multiple dollars on it, but hopefully not 20,000 of them. The last game I got to play was Foo Fighters. Going into the Midwest Gaming Classic, I was thinking more highly of Foo Fighters because, you know, Stern is very formulaic, and I assume their game's going to shoot well. It's not every day you get a bad shooting Stern. Usually, they're better than they are worse most of the time. So I did get to play this a couple of times, and my initial impressions were I didn't know there could be too much flow. I was playing the pro version of this game, and that just keeps on flowing every shot leads to another shot it's really cool how it does that but it's, it's almost a little too much i'm just gonna say it right now there's too much flow i never thought i'd say that it's quite the opposite of galactic tank force um i feel like godzilla is the perfect amount of flow where this just goes above and beyond godzilla so the pro doesn't have the dead post so i didn't get to see that in action but it does have that little kicking target and on the one I was playing, the kicking target got it up the ramp every time. So it's like it made a free shot for me. Although making it a little easier than the Godzilla Magna Grab would, where you actually have to shoot the ball to the destruction jackpot. Sorry, I'm making similarities here to Godzilla because I feel like Jack Danger was influenced by Keith Elwin more so than maybe like a John Borg design. So the theme on this one for me isn't like one that's really reeling me in. It's good music, but... It's just nothing that gets the people going. That might be part of the reason why I'm just not so into this one. I also didn't really care for the call-out guy, the kind of the stoner van dude voice. Mm, wasn't really working for me. Otherwise, like layout-wise, like I said, it has great flow. If you're into flow, you're going to like this game. For me, it's not one I'm going to want to pick up, but of course I'll play it on location. Where does this end up in my list? Well, I have to put it above Pulp Fiction and Godfather. So that means I'm going to have it sit in third spot. So first spot would be James Bond 60th. Second spot, still Galactic Tank Force. Then Foo Fighters. Then let's finally make a decision. Let's do Pulp Fiction and then finally Godfather for my top five. Of course, these are initial impressions. I haven't played these a hundred times. Your results will vary. But I hope this gives you some insights on these new games, on what to expect when you walk up and put your dollar in. This is going long, so I'm going to let you guys go. Until next time. This has been the Totally Pinball Podcast, and I'm Johnny Pinball. You stay classy, Pinside.
Sometimes these thoughts in my head speak so loud Every little thing that I think about just builds on top of the pain and doubt Even though I wanna just let it out I try to act like I don't mind it Try to keep my mouth so quiet But sitting there in my silence just seems to amplify it When I thought that keeping this inside would make it better I never thought that I would end up ruining it forever But every time I think I got everything put back together I end up making more regrets, making more regrets So easily, I wish I'd held it in so you never knew it built up inside of me. Now I don't know how it overflows, spilled out unwillingly. But now everything that I learned to hate came out for you to see. I don't want you to promise you can change everything and make it better. Cause you can bet I'm gonna end up ruining it forever. And every time you think you got everything put back together, I end up making more regrets, making more regrets.